0: This is John from the free gift from God.com podcast. I'm continuing on in this series on hope. And what I want to look at today is the fact that hope is based in the future. Your future is based in, on hope. And I've said a few times through it, but I haven't actually looked at this in any, any detail uh, in previous episodes, that hope is not about the here and now. Hope is focused on the future as it looks at what could be or what will be rather than what is. Hope lifts our spirits to praise God in the direst situations because it it, it ignores the destruction of the now and the troubles of the now and looks towards the blessings that are to come for those who follow Jesus Christ. So my aim today is to show that hope is future focused and also to show that through hope we will be blessed and finally what i want to look at is to show the power that has been given to us to hold fast our hopes through the working of the holy spirit so the first scripture i want to have a look at is over in romans chapter 8 and i'm going to read from verse 19 for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of god for the creation was subjected to futility not of its own will But by the will of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, before I go any further, um, we see that the creation and that's everything that God created, the whole universe, everything, this earth, people, the animals, the trees, the stars, the planets, the everything. In this universe, all of the other galaxies in this universe have been subjected to futility. They are decaying. Everything decays. In fact, there's a law of physics that talks about, uh, I think it's the law of entropy, where it says that everything, once it's uh, started in motion, gradually decays. Uh, I can't remember. I'm not a physicist, uh, so I don't know the details of it. But I remember reading that somewhere. Everything. Uh, decays, everything fades away. And you've only got to think about the things of this earth. Uh, Today, or not today, in the last couple of days, I got a new dressing gown. And my old dressing gown I've had for 22 years. When I got it, it was, uh, you know, fluffy and light and it was fantastic. But after 22 or 23 years, or however long I've had it, it's now threadbare. It's got holes in it, and it's a bit ragged. Oh, I mean, I loved it. It was a great one. It was a gift from one of my daughters. But it decayed. It wore out. And everything in this world is the same. And it speaks in the um, in one of the later books of the Bible about how God will take the whole universe. This planet that we live on and everything and he'll roll it up like an old garment like my old beat up dressing gown he'll roll it up like an old garment throw it away and he will create a new heavens and a new earth that will not be subject to decay it will be the eternal kingdom that we will have with jesus christ and god the father but the creation itself at present is in bondage to decay everything decays but it's saying that it will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. And that won't happen until the children of God um, are revealed and uh, every form of evil and every form of sin is taken out of the world. Anyway, I'll continue on reading in Romans 8 and I'll go into verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in travail together until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, as we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Now here's what I'm saying, or what I'm really talking about in this session today. Your future is based on hope. Hope is not something that you can see. Hope is something that is yet to come as it says there, for in this hope we were saved. Okay, the first thing, we have been saved in Jesus Christ, but our salvation still awaits. It's still something in the future. Our salvation to eternal life, our salvation to perfection, our salvation into the kingdom of God, into his eternal kingdom, that is still yet to come. And that's why we hope for it. Because if you already have it, you don't hope for something that you already have, which is why he says there in verse 24, Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? Well, you don't hope for something that you have already got. I don't hope for my new dressing gown. I hoped for it while I still had the old one. But now that I've got the new one, I don't hope for it anymore because I've already got it. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And that is where we need to be. We need to be patient in our hope because as i said back there in um in uh, verse 20 the creation subjected to futility not of its own will but by the will of him who subjected it in hope he subjected this whole creation to futility to decay to rust and to rot and to wear out as it will in the hope that we would seek something better in the hope that we would seek god in the hope that we would find his righteousness and his salvation that he has shown to us now through jesus christ that's his hope and that's what we're waiting for with patience and he goes on likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness in verse 26 i am now for we do not know how to praise we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words and he who searches the hearts of men knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of god and here's the other thing Yes, we have received, we have been saved, and we have received the initial part of salvation in Jesus Christ. He set us free from our sins. He took away the law. He's given us the free gift of righteousness so that we can stand in the presence of God. And the reason why He did that was so that He could then help us. God gave up on man. And if you read Romans chapter 1, it says three times in that first chapter of Romans that God gave up on man. Why? Because of sin all different kinds of sin. But God gave up on man. But now through Jesus Christ, he took away our sin, took away the thing that condemns us, which is the law. And he gave us righteousness as a free gift when we believe in Jesus Christ. And he gave this all to us for one specific purpose, which was so that we could receive the Holy Spirit who can then help us in our weaknesses. The Holy Spirit helps us. He does the work of transformation in us. And when we're weak, We can turn to the Lord. We can turn to the Holy Spirit. We can um, pray in the Spirit, and we can uh, come before the Lord, and we can receive the um, the blessings of His uh, salvation in in uh, the words that we give. He helps us through our weakness. Helps us through our weaknesses, so that we can receive what we need. And as it says in verse twenty-seven, He who searches the hearts of men knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes. For the saints according to the will of god and when we pray in the spirit that's what the holy spirit's doing he's interceding for us and he's saying to god this is what he needs or this is what she needs this is what they need at this time we might be praying to say lord get me out of this problem the holy spirit may then pray and say uh no let him go through this problem he needs to learn a lesson he needs to understand okay so the next scripture i want to go into is over in the um, book of 1 Corinthians, and I'm reading verse, uh, or chapter 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. I'm going to stop there before I go on because I've mentioned a few times about being set free from sin and how through uh, faith we receive the free gift of righteousness. It's important that We understand that we receive these things through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because as it says here in verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. So what are you believing? Well, the first thing you're believing is that Christ has been raised. Christ is alive. Christ is not dead. He did not die forever. He died. He went into the tomb for three days and then he was raised and he is alive today. He's been alive for the last 2,000 years since he was raised from the dead. Christ is alive. He was resurrected and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But as it says there, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Well, you're believing in vain and you are still in your sins. Because if Christ wasn't raised, then you have not been uh, set free from your sins. You have not been Uh, Justified or or made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ if he wasn't raised from the dead. And that's why it's important that we remember that he was raised and we understand this is the power of the resurrection. The power that we have to be set free from sin and to have our sins removed and uh, receive the free gift of righteousness and everything else is because we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. We believe in his resurrection. And as it goes on in verse 18, uh, if Christ has not been raised, then those who have fallen asleep or have died in Christ have perished. That means there's not going to be another resurrection. That's the end. You live for this life, you die, and that's it. If Christ was not resurrected. But we know that he was. And as it says in verse 19, if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied. Why? Because we believed in something that wasn't true. If we believed that Christ was raised from the dead and he wasn't, then we've believed something untrue. We're of all men most to be pitied because we believe that we're going to receive our salvation. We believe that we're going to live with Christ and with God the Father. Uh, in the eternal kingdom. We believe that he's going to save us. We believe that we've been set free from our sins, set free from the law. We believe that he is transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. We believe so many things, but if Christ was not resurrected, then all of that belief is pointless. It's futile. And as such, we have most been to be pitied because we could have spent all that effort and energy in believing in Jesus Christ doing something else and then verse 20 comes along but in fact christ has been raised from the dead and we know it he rose and he appeared to the apostles on a number of occasions after he had died he appeared to paul on the road to damascus it says that he appeared to 500 at one time there were all of these witnesses of the resurrection of jesus christ and he has appeared In some form or in some way to each of us, He's made His presence known in our lives. So, as He says there, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And that's what we have. That's what we hold on to. The fact that we know and understand. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ was raised, that He was resurrected, and that He's done all of these things. And I believe that He has set me free from sin. I believe that He has taken away the uh, the law and he set me free from the law i believe that he has given me the holy spirit and i know that he's given me the holy spirit um, and he is doing the work of transformation in me and i hope that you believe it for yourself also that you look to these things that you look to jesus christ that you realize that yes he was resurrected in spite of the fact that people say it can't happen He has been resurrected because we're not talking about what people can do. We're not talking about what man can do. We're talking about what God has done. So the next scripture I want to look at is over in the book of Galatians. And I'm going to read from verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That's a great scripture. It gets quoted quite a lot. For freedom Christ has set us free. Why were you set free? so that you could be free. This is the reason why he set you free. And he's saying, stand fast. Hold on to that freedom. Don't let it go. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, what does he mean by a yoke of slavery? He's talking about the law. That was the yoke of slavery. Everyone who was born in this world is under bondage to the law. They are slaves of the law. There is no way to get out of it, except through Jesus Christ. He set you free from the law. He goes on in verse two. Now, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, circumcision was the sign and the seal of the law. He says, if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Oh, hello. If you're going to receive the law, circumcision being the sign of the law, he's saying Christ will not be of any advantage to you. Now, I've spoken in in this session and uh, a couple of the earlier sessions that if we're going to seek out to try and be justified by the law, well, what this is saying is if you're going to try and be justified by the law, then there's no point following Christ. Let's read on. Christ will be of no advantage to you. Verse 3. I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is bound to keep the whole law. If you receive circumcision, Circumcision—that's just one law. You're bound to keep the whole law. Now we are told somewhere else that if you're going to accept one law, then you have to keep all of the law. He says that right here: to every man who receives circumcision, which is one law, then you are bound to keep the whole law, and there are more than six hundred and fifty laws. But read the next words in verse four: you are severed from Christ; you're cut off from Christ you want to be cut off from Christ? Oh, no, I don't. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified, or try to make yourself righteous, by the law. You have fallen away from grace. So if you're following the law, if you think you're a sinner, if you think you're bound by the law, if you think you have to keep all of the tenets of the law, if you think that you have to keep the works of the law because your preacher tells you so, then you've fallen away from grace. That's a pretty harsh statement that Paul's making there. But it's the reality. You are cut off from Christ if you will be justified by the law. If that's what you're trying to do, that's why you have to you have to believe that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you've been set free from sin. God has taken away your sins through Jesus Christ, and you have been set free from the law. Because if you don't, if you want to stay under the law, then you're falling away from grace. And as he says in verse 5, for through the Spirit, not through the law, through the Spirit By faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness. Not through the law, by works of law, do we wait for the hope of righteousness, but through the Spirit, through receiving the Holy Spirit, by faith, faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we wait for the hope of righteousness. And that's what what our hope is. Because the Spirit is doing the work of transformation in us. He's making us righteous as we walk and as we believe and as we do what jesus said that we need to do that's where the hope is our hope is in in that process that uh, he set in place when he died okay can you see now that hope is about the future it's not about now it's about what's going to come it's not about the present and it promises a much better place than we are in right now Think about all that stuff I just said about sin and the law. If you're under the law, if you walk in condemnation, if you call yourself a sinner, you know, a lot lot of Christians call themselves sinners. They say things like, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know, that's what they say. I am a sinner saved by grace. You may have said it yourself. I've seen bumper stickers uh, that say similar sorts of things to that. I am a sinner saved by grace. But are you a sinner? If Jesus took away your sins, and it says in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin, of the, the sin of the world, if Jesus has taken away your sins, why do you call yourself a sinner? Why do you call yourself a sinner? And if you think that you have to keep the tenets of the law, and your preacher tells you you have to do certain things, you have to tithe, as an example, and that's one that's big in, uh, in a lot of churches, um, if you have to do a lot of other things, you know, the, the Ten Commandments and uh, all sorts of stuff, believing that that's the way to righteousness, then that's not what this is telling us here. The hope of righteousness comes through the spirit by faith. It doesn't come through keeping the law. And the problem with the law is that it condemns you. And if you condemn yourself because you can't keep the law, well, you're in good company because a lot of people are in the same place. The truth of the matter is that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ, which it says in the first verse of Romans chapter eight. Romans eight verse one says, "There is therefore near no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ, for the law of the Spirit has done away with what the law of the flesh, or words of that effect." And the reality is that in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, we have a hope that is not based on law, not based on condemnation. It's based on faith. It's based on righteousness that He's given to us. And can you understand now also how the Spirit helps us in our hope of salvation? He helps us because, as I said there in that last thing, we wait for the hope of righteousness. And that's the transforming work that the Holy Spirit does in the people who have come to Christ, who have looked at what, he's, uh, what he has said, who have looked at how the process works. And you can read that. Um, Galatians is actually a good book to read if you want to understand how freedom from sin and freedom from law works. Read Romans, especially the first, um, first uh, seven or eight chapters of Romans. And it gives you a great in- insight into how the uh, freedom from sin and freedom from law works. So as a prayer point, ask the Lord to show you the power of hope. And how it keeps you focused because it promises a better future and spend a moment also now just seeking the lord to show you the way by the power of the holy spirit that's it for this session i'm going to continue to look at hope in the next session I've, i reckon i've got another few sessions to go on hope so until then this is john FreeGiftFromGod.com from god.com podcast signing off wishing you all the best and god bless